And let's go to uh, John chapter number 6 tonight. John chapter number 6. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to a lot of folks and been uh, just trying to be a blessing to some people. And I, I know all of us struggle from time to time in, in, in the area of just, listen, just surviving and, and just making it in life. And there's a lot of challenges when it comes along. And one of the things I love about uh, being a Christian is, is sometimes I may not be up to the challenge, but my God always is. <laughs> and I love the fact that I can find encouragement, I can find help from the Lord. And so does anybody need a copy of the outline? Maybe somebody didn't get one, Brother Chris can get you one, raise your hand, anybody need one? And you'll be able to follow along. The rest of you did a great job, all right? And so take your Bibles there, John chapter 6, familiar portion of Scripture tonight, and I've entitled the lesson, With Help, It Is Possible, all right? With Help, It Is Possible. And so we'll start in verse 1. John chapter number 6, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now notice Jesus asked Philip, all right? He asked him, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said, look at verse 6, to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And the Bible says, Philip answered him, 200 pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which have, hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men to sit down. Now there was, about, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they, they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. We call that leftovers, right? Okay. Verse 13. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now, I love this portion of Scripture, but as I started to think about just all that I've been dealing with, and, and again, some folks that have been struggling, and even from time to time, my life uh, sometimes seems like that it has highs and lows. Uh, some days, boy, you're on top of the mountain, and the next day you're down in the valley, and, and we face those, those experiences. And sometimes uh, we, we, it seems to me, and maybe to other folks, that we're not going to be able to take one more step in life. It's like, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to turn to, I don't know how this is all going to work out. It reminds me of what Job said, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. 
And that which I was afraid of, notice he says a second time, is come unto me. He says, boy, the, you know, I, I, I was thinking, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but it's happened. Uh, I, I, you know, this is, this is just coming to my life. And, you know, look, a lot of times what I call these is, I call these an obstacle. You can give it whatever name, you, you call it whatever you want, because all of us, uh, like Job, experience things, and, and we feel at times in our lives like it is something that is totally overwhelming. You know, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And, and many times, we don't know what to do. And when this happens, here's, here's what the tendency is to just quit, to give up, throw in the towel. And sometimes I see this, people just give up on the Lord. You know, if there ever was a time that you need to go to the Lord, it's during those times. But many times that's exactly what people do is they give up on God. They quit coming to church. They quit reading their Bible. And if they do that, here's the problem is they have forgotten who God is. They have forgotten what God is capable of doing. According to the Word of God, He, he is the God who was, who is, who is to come. No matter what's happening in your life, He is still God, and we need to remember that when we go through these times. In the text tonight, we see here a scene that took place in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, a lot of times I study the life of Christ and I, I, I like to look at how Jesus handled things, but I also like to look at, because I, I think to myself, how would I have been in that situation? What would I have thought if I would have been there instead of one of those disciples? And here in this scene, to them, it seemed almost absolutely impossible. I mean, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. We've got all these people. What are we going to do? I don't see how that it's even possible. Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to take, yeah, a miracle. It's going to take God to do something that we cannot do. I mean, sometimes, like on Sunday, we had, we had our open house and we had planned a meal. And a lot of times when we sit and talk about it, I'll say, to, we'll discuss, we might look at numbers from a year before on an open house, and we might say, well, last year we had this many, and the year before we had this many, so let's plan enough food for this many people. And a lot of times, all of us are kind of looking at each other like, well, what are we going to do if we have more than that show up? That's about the time you wish Jesus would show up, right? Well, you know, being the way we are without Jesus being here, there's always Walmart, right? <laughs> but what we have to do is realize that when we reach the end of what we can do, that's, honestly, that's when the Lord, that's when God begins His work. And that's exactly what these disciples, they, they thought, hey, listen, this is totally an impossible situation, but not to God. It wasn't impossible for the Lord. You know what it was? It was just an opportunity for the Lord to display his awesome power. It was an opportunity for, the, for Jesus to showcase his ability to overcome any and all situations without exception. Now, I hope you're listening tonight because, listen, we're not sitting on a hillside 
And there's not a little boy with a, a lunch, just a few loaves and fishes. But all of us have very real things in our lives. And we think, how in the world is God going to help me with this? How's God going to get me through this? And I'm going to tell you, if we serve the same God, if He can meet the needs of these folks, then God can meet any need that you have in your life tonight because with help, it is possible. It is possible. See, whatever burden you're carrying tonight, some of you I know, some, of, some things I don't know, but your burden tonight might be something personal, might be something at work might be family-related or maybe even church-related. I don't know, but here's what you need to do tonight or maybe later on tonight or tomorrow or whenever. You need to stop and take a look at that burden, whatever it is. See, in this day, it was this crowd, all these people. How are we going to feed all these people? We only have this much. So you need to take a look at your situation and as you look at it, then you need to look at the greatness and the power of your God and say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. I believe with all my heart that you can handle this situation. And that's why I want you to think tonight, because with help, God's help, it is possible. So look at the first thing I want you to see tonight from this passage, because first of all, we see an overwhelming situation overwhelming. And the reason I say that, notice is there was a recognition of foreordination, a recognition of foreordination. In other words, Jesus, and I know everybody here tonight believes this, Jesus was God in the flesh. Let me say that again. I think I'm in a Baptist church. Jesus was God in the flesh, all right? Do you think Jesus knew this day was going to come? Do you think that he knew that there wouldn't be enough money to buy food? Do you think that he knew? I don't think it's any accident that this boy just happened to have a lunch. Now, I've heard different accounts, but if it was just a lad, I guarantee you, he wasn't carrying huge loaves, and I don't know what size those fish were. Maybe they were just minnows. I don't know. If it was Brother Gilbert's son, it would have been sardines, you know? But nonetheless, he's got, a, he's got a lunch that is adequate for a, a lad, a small boy. Certainly, that, wouldn't, that wasn't sufficient, you know. I mean, can you imagine on Sunday, we had, you know, 150, close to 200 folks here, and if we would have had five loaves and two fishes, I don't think it would have, that would even have filled Andrew, you know. I mean, we would have, we would have definitely fallen short with what we needed. But again, there was this foreordination because Jesus as God, he knows all things. He knew the circumstance. He knew this day would come. The Bible says in John 16, now we are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. So look, God knows everything and watch this, if he knew what was going to happen on that day, on that hillside, then guess what? He knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen in your life in the days ahead. 
He knows all things. Jesus also knew, and I love this, he also knew, not only did he know this was going to happen, but he already knew how he was going to handle it before the situation ever presented itself. <laughs> now, I'm a planner. I like to plan. You know, I, I like to have a plan, and I like to work a plan, and a lot of times my plans, uh, just they don't go the way that they should, but I like to plan. And, and I think to myself how the Bible says that God is a God of order. You know, the devil is chaos, but God is a God of order. And this whole situation, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do before this situation ever materialized. Now listen, if that happened in this day, in the Word of God, and you serve the same God, the next time something happens in your life, just remember, nothing surprises God. And even though it's happening and it's new to you, before it even happens to you, God already knows how He wants to handle it. The question is, how are you going to handle it? I love verse 6. Look at it again. And this He said to prove Him, for He Himself knew what He would do. Jesus already knew how He was going to handle this situation. You know? I mean, God knows what He's doing. God had the answer to the question in hand before the question was ever asked. And, you know, God is always ahead of the game. You remember in Genesis chapter 22, when God asked Abraham to offer up his son? You remember the son that he waited his life for? And God finally gives him a son, and then he says, I want you to take that son that you have, go up to Mount Moriah, I want you to offer your son up to me. And you remember, I remember thinking, and I've read that I don't know how many times in Genesis 22, what would I do if God asked me to do something like that? But he took his son, and he took him up on this hill. Remember what the son said? He says, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And what confidence he had in God that day. And his son laid down on that altar, and, and he raised that knife to plunge it into the life of his son. And the Bible says that, that God, by his angel, stopped the hand of Abraham. And he says, now I know. In other words, I know that you believe me, that you have that much faith in me. And the Bible says in verse 13, look at it. It says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. People say, boy, what coincidence. No, remember, God already knew what he was going to do before it ever happened. Folks, I'm going to tell you, God is the same way today. He already knows what's going to happen in your life and mine. And he already knows what he wants to do or what he's going to do. And what we need to do is trust him. We need to believe that he is. See, with help, it is possible. The Bible says here that we need to understand this, how the Lord was there to work on that day. And we see a recognition of foreordination. But notice, letter B, there was also a request for faith. A request for faith. See, all of these individuals that were there that day, they were disciples of the Lord, but they were lacking faith. And look, the Bible tells us, you and I who are saved, we are to live our lives by faith. The just, look at Romans 1.17, therein is the righteousness of God revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, those that are saved, should live their lives by faith, not by sight. Romans 14.23 says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Let's see, the typical response in many of our lives, you know what it is? Faithlessness. We don't have faith in God. When we exercise, listen, when we don't exercise faith, you know what we're really saying? We might not say it out loud, but we're really saying God is dead. God can't do this. God can't work this situation out. But the Bible says, as Jesus said in Matthew 6, if God so clothe the grass of the field, where, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, they were struggling. I mean, how is it that we're going to be able to feed all these people? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. Notice letter C, there was a response of the flesh. Look at verse number 7 in our, in our text tonight. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. That's what we do, is we reason within ourselves we sit there and we try to figure it out. Do you know sometimes things don't work out on paper? Sometimes you, can't, you and I can't figure it out. And sometimes we say, I can't, or we can't, or it's never been done this way before. Look, we, we're really sharing the same sentiments that Philip did that day. Philip, his answer, like so many, even in our day, his response to the Lord, it's centered around money. The love of money is the root of all evil. How many times do God's people make decisions not based on the will of God, but based on money? You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, folks, it's so important that we understand that when we do things, when we make decisions, and some are life-changing decisions, they've got to be made according to the will of God. Philip asked this question. He's like, 200 penny worth. I did some, a little bit of digging today, and as best I could tell, in that day, in that economy, 200 penny worth was the equivalent of about eight months' wages for one man. They estimate that today that'd be about $12,000 on the average. Now, here's, here's the thing is somebody said a good decision is based on knowledge and not on numbers. A good decision, or should I say a godly decision. God, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. Help me to understand what you would have me to do. We should never make decisions based on money. And that's, that's what we see. But we see another person in this passage. Look in verse number 9. The Bible says here that Andrew, in verse number 8, one of his disciples, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him in verse number 9, he says, well, there is a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fishes. Now, if the verse stopped right there, it would sound like that Andrew was like, hey, listen, we've, we've got an option. You know, I've got a little bit of faith here. There's, there is a little bit of food here. 
But look at the end of verse number 9. But what are they among so many? You know, it's like he offers up, but he's like, you know, I know it's kind of a little dismal thing, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. The reality is Andrew's uh, lack of faith is about equivalent to what Philip's was, and it was similar. It was centered on what can't be done. I'm not talking tonight, listen, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. And I'm not talking about uh, the prosperity gospel tonight. I'm talking about, we're talking about the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. God owns it all, folks. And He wants to bless our lives, but if we don't live by faith, see, it all goes back to this was an opportunity for Jesus, God, to show His awesome power. So I want you to see tonight, I think I included it there in your notes, but in verse number 5, here's the question that Jesus asked Philip. Notice, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, if I could paraphrase it, maybe Jesus would have said something like this, how are we going to handle this? What do you guys think? You know, think about it. What, what was Jesus doing with the disciples? He spent three, three and a half years with these guys. And look, he called them out to follow him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross. He wasn't going to stay forever, right? And guess what he said? He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the church that he began, he was going to leave it in the hands of that group of individuals who became the leaders of the early church. Now, the church wasn't built on Peter. It was built on the Lord Jesus. But here's what I find is he was giving them an opportunity. In other words, guys, if I wasn't here, what would you do? Because guess what? There was going to come a day pretty quick that he wasn't going to be with them. And what are you going to do? How are we going to handle this? And I think maybe there might be four responses. And look at this, first one. Some would respond, and by the way, the disciples did. They thought, hey, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's just get rid of the problem. Well, what are they saying the problem is? People. Now think about that. Without people, there's no church. Without people, there's no ministry. Jesus came and he, 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 he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's people. And think about what his disciples were saying. You know, if we could just get rid of these people, we'd get rid of the problem. Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But the Bible says in Mark 6, 35, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country roundabout and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. You know what they're really voicing when they said, hey, Lord, why don't you just tell these people to go home? They're saying, we, number one, we don't care about people. And number two, we don't think, God, that you can do anything to meet their needs. How pathetic, right? We act the same way many times. Look at the second, second response to Jesus' question on how are we going to handle this? You know, maybe we need to raise some more money. Remember what Philip said? He says, 
well, we've got 200 penny worth. He says, but that's not enough. Maybe we can go around and take up a collection. Look at the third one there is we have a little, we've got a little lunch here, but it, it will never be enough. You know, what, what are these among so many? But I love the fourth response. Let's, let's just let Jesus have it. Right? That's where we should have started right there. You know, sometimes people sit down, they, they sit down with their finances and they look at it and they think to themselves, boy, I don't know, we got into this situation. I have no idea how we're going to get out. What do we do? And what do we do is we start thinking things like this. Well, maybe, maybe I should go down and rob a bank. Maybe I can find somebody to float me alone. When really, maybe what we need to do is, is give it to the Lord and let the Lord handle it. And look, just be honest, because you're spending time with the Lord and say, I got, I got myself into this, Lord, and I need your help to get out of it. And so that's exactly what happens here. You know, they gave it to the Lord. Verse number 11, it says, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. Now, look, honestly... Many times these other responses here to Jesus' question, you know what they were? They were fleshly responses. And I'm going to tell you, the flesh lies all the time. Don't listen to it. You know why? Because the flesh is weak. But I see here that the Bible tells us many times that God has a purpose. I think this, there was a reason that this day happened, just like that one day when Jesus dealt with a man and he says, look, this man was born for this moment. He was born this way. There came a day where Jesus knew that he was going to come across this man's life so that he could perform a miracle so that those that were around him would see the mighty power of God. And this situation is just like any other situation. Anything that happens in your life and mine, guess what? God has a purpose. There's a reason why it's happening. One of the verses I think all of us know, Romans 8, 28, we know that how many things work together? All. all. To them that love God, if you love the Lord, you have, look, if you are a child of God, you have to understand, first of all, God loves you and God would never tempt you with evil. God would never do something uh, in your life, you know, that, that would cause, now there were times where I would do stuff to my children, I've got two daughters here tonight, and they learned that one verse. Out of all the verses in the Bible, they learned that one about that fathers shouldn't provoke their children to wrath. That's the one they learned right there. That's their favorite verse. They would quote that to me all the time. But look, God isn't looking for excuses. He's not looking for doubts. God's not looking for question marks in our lives. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for faith. Men and women who have faith in God. I love the verse here, Luke 18, 8. The Son of Man, when He cometh, shall He find faith on the earth? When He comes, is He going to find people that He can say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
So I see her. Look, you look at this situation like many of our lives. Some of you might be in something right now that just like I showed you here is an overwhelming, it's, it's, it's an overwhelming situation. And you're thinking, I don't know how in the world. But look, let's, let's read on tonight. Look at secondly. I look beyond the overwhelming situation and I see that there were insufficient supplies. Insufficient supplies. You know, your money only goes so far, doesn't it? You know, the food only goes so far. Many times we see the insufficient supplies, and we've looked at this tonight, and I want you to see, letter A there, the size of the gift. And we talked about how this little boy had five loaves and two small fishes. I mean, five biscuits and, and, and just two little sardines or whatever he had. But when I look in the Bible, here's what I find is God loves to use little things. I see some great things. I could have given you a whole bunch tonight, but just a few that came to my mind. God used a stick to, to part the Red Sea. I, I think about how God used a stone and a sling to take out a giant. I, I look in the Bible and I see how God used a starving widow to speak to the prophet Elijah. I look how... Uh, in the Word of God, that God used manna to sustain over two million people in the desert. <laughs> they saw it, and, and they're like, my children, sometimes we make something, and they look at it, and they go, what is it? And that's exactly what they said about manna. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's bread from heaven. It's what God sent to sustain you. And I, I see in the Word of God how the size of the gift, God loves to use little things. And look, sometimes you might think to yourself, well, I don't have much or I am not much. But look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.27. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. See, a lot of times we think about our abilities. We think about our resources. And, and honestly, look. They may be small, insignificant, but God is still God, and God can use anything. If he used five little loaves and two fishes, and he fed all those people, listen, uh, as somebody said a long time ago, little is much when God is in it. We just need to give it to the Lord. Look at verse number 11 again. The Bible says Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks. I want to remind you tonight that it wasn't too small for the Lord. He took it. Remember the, the widow? She just had two mites. But according to the word of God, the Bible talks about how she gave it. And look, God will take whatever resources that you have and whatever you possess. And you know what God will do? Something that you and I wish we could do is he'll take it and multiply it. God will do great, mighty things with it. See, the size of the gift, it was insufficient supplies, but the size of the gift led to the sacrifice of the giver. And the Bible doesn't tell us who this little boy is, but I know this, according to the Word of God, he gave all that he had. You know what that meant when that little boy, and I don't know if they took it out of his hand or if he actually gave it to him, I don't know. But you know what that meant? If, if Jesus didn't multiply that food, that means that little boy wouldn't have a lunch. He'd be without. 
sometimes I like to think of things I can't, I can't add to the Word of God, but I, I would have loved to have been there that day. The Bible says there were 12 baskets left over. I'd have probably given like three baskets to that boy to take home to his mama. After all, it all started with his little lunch. I think about this boy that sacrificed. He gave all, whether it's great or small. And listen, that's what you and I need to do is realize that if we give what we have, and by the way, all things come from above, right? If we give what we have to the Lord, you know what's going to happen? God's going to get the glory out of it. That's exactly what happened. I mentioned a minute ago this widow and, and the two mites, Mark 12, 44, the Bible talks about all these people that came and they cast in of their abundance. I mean, these people had money and, and they were putting in money and it really wasn't, you know, again, I believe the Bible teaches equal giving, equal sacrifice, but, but these folks had, they had plenty of money. But when it came to that, that little widow, it says she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. Just like that little boy, he gave his entire lunch. That woman put all that she, her entire living, she had nothing after that. She gave it all to the Lord. It's never the size of the gift. It's always the heart of the giver. That's what God's looking for. And by the way, what does the Bible say? God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful. Now, I see that a lot of times in our church. But sometimes I see people, when the offering plate comes by, they kind of turn their head and ignore the plate. Sometimes they'll put something in, but there's not a smile on their face because it's hurting them to give. But I, I love the, the person that has the heart to give. And this little boy, he gave, he sacrificed. Look, God doesn't need us to give, but you know what he does? He allows us to be involved, and we need to quit holding on to that which is really the Lord's. We need to give it to Him and just see like this little lad did. We need to see what God can do with it. And that's what we need to do. See, the, the supplies, they were in, in human eyes, it was insufficient. But look at number three tonight, we'll be done. There was an abundant surplus. An abundant surplus. I think about this, how, you know, Jesus, look at verse number 10 again. He says, make the men to sit down. You know what that told me? Jesus, you know, the circumstances, what was going on, all the number of people, the little bit of money, a little bit of food, none of that bothered him one bit. Because the Bible says he knew what he was going to do. A lot of times we, we get so worked up about stuff, but Jesus, didn't, he didn't get disturbed by the circumstances. You, you'll never have a problem greater than God's ability. Whatever it is. And so look at this. As I think about the abundant supply, it, God, it, God does have a sense of humor. Notice, first of all, the faltering were sanctified. The faltering. Here's his disciples. And boy, they're, they're struggling. How are we going to do this? They're probably thinking, send these people away. And, and you know what he did? He actually made those that were faltering be productive in that day. He used the doubters to actually feed the multitude the hungry that were there that day. And, and, and look, he, he does this, and he did this with his disciples to teach them one thing. And he taught them a great lesson on that day. He taught them that no matter what it looks like, that with his help, it is possible that he is still in control. That's what we see there. See, when it looks impossible, what do we need to do? We just need to keep on serving the Lord. 
just keep believing that God is able. And he'll reveal his purposes to us. But you know when he'll do that? In his time. And guess what? God's clock isn't set to our clock. I love the verse here in Ecclesiastes 3. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Sometimes we want to know when that time is. But look, there are times where all of us, because of our human nature and our flesh, where we falter, just like these disciples did. And so the faltering were sanctified, let her be. The famished were satisfied. The people were hungry. Now the Bible says that there were 5,000 men. Well, you think about that. Some people estimate, because there might have been women there, there could have been children there, there could have been as many as over 20,000 people there that day. And again, I'm not going to get stuck on a number, but I know this, it was a great multitude of people that got fed that day. And it truly was a miracle of God. Matthew 14, 21 says, And when they had eaten, there were about 5,000 men beside women and children. And Jesus took that little, and guess what he did? He turned it into a lot. (laughs) You know, Ephesians 3, 20, great verse here. I love this verse. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. All that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know what that means? Whatever it is that you can, whatever the highest number, whatever the the biggest thing that you can think of by faith, God can do more. He can do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask Him or we can even think. Because our God is a great and mighty God. See, by faith, we need to place our little like that that little boy did in the Lord's hands, and you know what he'll do? He'll multiply it. See, I see the faltering were sanctified, the famished were satisfied. Look at letter C. The faithless were stupefied. Remember, they said, hey, we only have 200 penny worth. We just have a little loaf and you know, a couple little loaves and a few fish. Can you imagine what those disciples thought that day when all those people, remember, here's what the Bible says. They didn't just eat. They were filled. I mean, you know, people make fun of Baptists, but I'm telling you, there was food there, you know. They got filled up. They ate to their content, the Bible tells us, and there were 12 baskets. Now, isn't that interesting? How many disciples were there at this time? 12. Isn't that interesting? Here's a basket for every one of you doubters, every one of you naysayers, every one of you that have little faith, go get your basket full right there. And we see here that when God moves in our situation, we need to look out because it's going to do the exact same thing to us sometimes. It's going to amaze us what our God can do. That's exactly. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.9. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know what that means? God's got moving trucks full of stuff that he just wants to back up and unload in your life if you just believe that God and you have faith that God can do what he can do. You see, I I really believe that many of us will never experience the blessings that God really had for us because we just don't have faith in God. And he taught them a lesson that day. You see, our doubts will seem ridiculous in the end. Just like those disciples thinking, now how in the world did he get 12 baskets out of five loaves and two little fish? 
It taught him quite a lesson that day. That he is a miraculous God. That with help, it is possible. You know, I, I think of the obstacles in life, and, and I know that you're probably like me, you've probably been there, where you might say to yourself, there's just no way. But as long as there's a great God, there is a way. There is a way. I want to encourage you tonight, whatever you have, get it into His hands. And I look here, just like in this passage, He will take it, and He will bless it, and He will multiply it. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank You for the, the God that You are. Lord, for us, it's even hard with our limitations to imagine even this passage that we talked about tonight. But I know there was a day where your son was in the midst of a great group of people that had a physical need, that were hungry. They wanted to be with him because they had seen the miracles that he had performed. They had heard his words that so moved them and so impacted their lives. And, and Lord, I'm glad that you're the kind of God that would not push them away, send them away. I'm glad that you're patient even with those disciples that were just thinking about themselves. But that day, they, they learned a valuable lesson. And I believe tonight we, we were reacquainted with what you taught them that day, that no matter what we face, no matter how impossible it seems to us that with your help, it is possible. And Lord, I pray that maybe someone was encouraged tonight as we look at this passage, Lord, and we realize that we, we serve and know the same God. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, may we be men and women of faith and never doubt what you can do even with little. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.